You are listening to Love, Maine Radio, hosted by Dr. Lisa Belisle and recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine in Portland. Dr. Lisa Belisle is a writer and physician who practices family medicine and acupuncture in Brunswick, Maine. Show summaries are available at lovemainradio.com. Here are some highlights from this week's program. I, th- I think having your significant other understand that, I mean, at least as a chef, understand sort of what you go through as a chef. Um, you know, the, the long the long days and the, you know, and, and, the, and the tough decisions and the stress and the, the, the chaos and the, you know, all the things that we sort of go through. I think it's great to have somebody that understands that. There, there's really no reason to be critical at this point, we just want to tell people what something's like. This is Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to Love, Maine Radio, show number 233, Food and Family, airing for the first time on Sunday, March 6, 2016. Food is one of our favorite subjects. We love the nourishment that it provides on so many levels. Not only does it provide our bodies with fuel, but it also brings us together with family and friends, both in the kitchen and around the table. Today we discuss these ideas with Justin and Danielle Walker, the husband and wife team who run the restaurant Earth at Hidden Pond, and with Oldport and Maine Magazine food editor Karen Watterson. Thank you for joining us. Love, Maine Radio is brought to you by Apothecary by Design. There was a time when the apothecary was a place where you could get safe, reliable medicines prepared by experienced professionals with a focus on you and your unique health concerns. Apothecary by Design is built around the forgotten notion that you don't just need your prescriptions filled. You need attention, advice, and individual care. Visit their website, apothecarybydesign.com, or drop by the store at 84 Marginal Way in Portland and experience pharmacy care the way that it's meant to be. Experience chef and owner Harding Lee Smith's newest hit restaurant, Boone's Fish House and Oyster Room, Maine seafood at its finest. Joining sister restaurants, The Front Room, The Grill Room, and The Corner Room, this newly renovated two-story restaurant at 86 Commercial Street on Custom House Wharf overlooks scenic Portland Harbor. Watch lobstermen bring in the daily catch as you enjoy baked stuffed lobster, raw bar, and wood-fired flatbreads. For more information, visit theroomsportland.com. One of my favorite restaurants really anywhere, but definitely here in Maine is Earth at Hidden Pond. So today it is really quite wonderful that I have with me Justin and Daniel Walker, who pretty much keep Earth at Hidden Pond moving. You guys are Earth at Hidden Pond. Um, Justin is the uh, chef there, and I guess are you considered the executive chef? Uh, yeah. That's your official title. I guess so, yeah. Yep. And Danielle, you're the general manager. Yes. She's my boss. That's, it's good. Yeah. And so not only is she your boss in your work, but <laughs> possibly in your oh, home yeah, life. Definitely. I don't want to presume anything. <laughs> he's a good husband if he's admitting that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so you guys, um, well, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you, you for having us. Because you're really busy and it's hard to sometimes schedule the time in. Um, but I'm fascinated by people who are able to work together professionally, but then also share a life personally. Tell me how that's been working for you. It's been working for us since we met, essentially, because we worked together before we were together. So I think those boundaries were established really early on. So it's just something that we've carried through, and you blink, it's 15 years later. I I think having your significant other understand that, I mean, at least as a chef, understand sort of what you go through as a chef. 
you know, the, the long, the long days and the, you know, and, and the, and the tough decisions and the stress and the, the, the chaos and the, you know, all the things that we sort of go through. I think it's great to have somebody that understands that because they live it as well. Um, and, and, uh, and to have the support from somebody that, that understands it is, is important for a chef. And I, I think that's why you see so many couples now running restaurants together and, and, uh, you know, and, and you're, and you're doing something together for each other. And, and we're lucky that our, our profession is recognized the way it is. And, and, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's been great. Now your son Jackson is five, five St- years old, started kindergarten this year. Mm-hmm. What's that balance been like? That was a new facet to things because before we could really write our own schedule. We could put him to bed later and get up later because that's kind of what our life is. But now that we kind of have to find the boundary that, um, you know, help us put him into school, get up at seven, onto the bus at eight, it's definitely been new and challenging in different ways, but he is his own little person with his own schedule and ideas and things like that. So it's turning the corner on a really great new chapter. It's definitely hard being away from him, um, you know, because, you know, we take you know, we're working 16 plus hours a day, sometimes even more, very, very, not very often less. And, you know, you miss a lot of things. You suddenly realize you haven't fed your, actually physically fed your child in two days. You know, we have a good support network and um, he, he's had really great, um, you know, preschool and, and, and obviously in kindergarten. And, and we just, we rely on each other. We help each other, the family, and, and, and it works out. Um, generally, I think he's happier when he gets to go to his auntie's house uh, than, he, than he is to hang out with his parents. So that's, we're, that's a luxury that we have, which is really great. So I just want to clarify for people who are listening. It's not that nobody has fed your child <laughs> for two days. You just have not fed your own child for two days. Somebody else is Ex- stepping in. Exactly. You have people, you know, a family that, that helps with that. And But it is kind of, it does give me like, it makes my, you know, uh, gives me a kind of a, a gut-wrenching feeling to know that like, you know, I wish I could be there for him, you know, and, and it's definitely a balance that's hard to, uh, to achieve, but you know, no matter what, we're, I'm up, we're up with him early in the morning and it doesn't matter if we've been sleeping two hours or five hours or whatever it is. It's, and we try to stay as consistent with that. We always are consistent with that. You find your family time shifts from what I guess, quote, the norm would be because our family time is in the summertime. He's out of school. It's in the morning. It's from eight to sometimes I don't leave the house until 10 30 11 o'clock so that time where most people the kids are getting off the bus 3 30 that kind of family time just shifts it's different so we're usually out the door we're in the front yard outside big playing that kind of stuff it's just you have a cup of coffee in your hand instead of come in it's time for dinner yeah i mean when we're off we're we have to be completely off even from home responsibilities you know, in the summertime, we, we split our days off so that neither one, we don't have a day off together, which is hard, but he, our son gets to make sure he gets two days with his parents. And um, that way that the restaurant's covered as well, which is important. And we, um, but it's all about him. You know, there's no, you know, we, everything else gets figured out some other way. We just, when we're in season and working, it's, it's, we're either working or we're with him and that's it. And that's our, li- that's our life balance difficulties, you know. But you find time in the wintertime to catch up. To catch up. This is our slow time. We do have that kind of nine to five lifestyle when the restaurant's closed. So we do get to enjoy everything, you know, as it goes by. Yeah. So when is the restaurant actually 
closed. This is the time of year where things are just taking a rest. Yes, it's closed for six months. So it's from, let's see, November 1st until first week in May, it's closed. So we fill our time doing different things. We've been doing a couple pop-up events where you can see the Earth team. It's really nice this year. It's the first time we've done it consistently over January and February. So we get the band back together like every two weeks. So it's nice to kind of keep that momentum going. And uh, we work on the following year. Everything from programming, whether it's food-based or health-based, um, you know, lots of different things that we look forward to next year and just putting them down on paper so that when the train does start moving, we keep it on the tracks. <laughs> I was fortunate to go to Table in Kennebunkport. Mm -hmm. I always get the Kennebunk, Kennebunkport, mm -hmm. but, I'm, but I think it's Kennebunkport. It's Lower Village Kennebunk. Okay. Technically, Technically, that's Kennebunk, but if you walk 15 feet the other direction, it's Kennebunkport. <laughs> okay, but so... Kennebunkport. Kennebunk, Lower Kennebunk. I was there, and um, this is a place that you have also been. You've also spent time... Is this where you were talking about doing your pop-ups? Yes. yes. Yeah, we've been, doing, um, we've been doing kind of sneak peeks at 2016. Um, generally, in the wintertime, we'll spend four to six weeks very casually uh, testing menu ideas. Um, we try not to push the issue with time. We're not trying to, let's get it all done today. You know, we really try to have ideas that are on a page kind of kind of happen. And sometimes, you know, things get thrown away. Sometimes we love them. Sometimes we tweak them. Sometimes, you know, whatever. Um, but the, this this way is, this doing these pop-ups is a great way to keep the guys and girls uh, busy that we work with, give them some winter work, and also kind of test out ideas. And, and and it's actually a better it's a better way to do it because then you kind of see how things morph, you know, in, in a in a night of service or whatever. And it's great for the guests. And that you know, we're really lucky to have a, a following that really trusts us. And you know, we've we just did a dinner with there was I think there was seafood on every course. I mean, there was you know octopus and and oysters and different things that would normally I think normally scare most people away, but they 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 loved they loved it to be different and and, and they trust us. So I think that's that's really great. And um, you know, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun for sure. That was in the table space where we actually did the restaurant pop up, mm -hmm. and then when Justin's doing menu testing, this is the first year where they've really had a beautiful space. There's a wood oven there. The room is really warm and inviting and the kitchen has beautiful natural light on one side. So it's um, really wonderful because the past couple of years we've been using our kitchen at home, yeah. different another, spaces, going into smaller, work with different chefs. One of our other smaller properties, which was, which was great. You know, this is just like, it couldn't be more ideal. You know, really, and you feel comfortable there. There's lots of light, like she said, and and uh, we have lots of storage. It's 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 going to be. It's been great, so we're really really happy with it for sure. And table is um, sort of one of the newest, I believe, properties as part of the Kennebunkport Resort collection. That's correct. It um, it's a culinary event center, so we have the opportunity to have guest chefs other than the regular. Kennebunkport Resort Collection chefs come in and do dinners there. Um, we've had brewers, Algash Brewing Company held an event there. We've had um, Andrew Volk and um, from Hunt and Alpine Club come down and do some mixology. Um, some of our own bartenders, the Earth Guys, did one this past Saturday. Um, you can do anything 
that you can dream up in that space. We've changed the room several different times. So we've done big community tables, we've done date night, we've done all different types of things. So it's versatile space, so you can bring people there and do your own party, or you can just have someone and come in and be your guest. So it's a, it's a living, breathing thing, and I think it's a very organic process that it's going through. So sky's the limit with that, with that building. I was at a birthday party that David David Turin from the Boat House and also David's 388 and David's Restaurant, mm-hmm. and but he's he works with you obviously mm-hmm. through the Kenny Bungport Resort Collection, um, and there was something. I mean, it was very beautiful. It's something that's very um, simultaneously elegant but homey feeling about it, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just reminded me that we don't always have to be in a fancy well-appointed place in order to have a really great meal that really feels special although this place certainly is very elegant so yeah, i think it's like it's it's not over designed or trying to be look like it wasn't designed it's like it's been a restaurant before it has a soul it um you know the, it's got that central fireplace you know and, and, it, and it feels it feels yeah it feels comfortable you know, and, and just with just with changing some of the appointments in the room, you can make it feel elegant or casual or you know whatever. So I think uh, it's definitely uh, you know that that restaurant was designed a long time ago, and you know it, things have changed obviously, but it's still timeless. I mean, it was very very little uh, effort to to turn it into what it is, uh, you know, into its new look, you know, which is cool. One of the reasons that Earth at Hidden Pond has become one of my favorites is that you do so much with local produce, local um, seafood, locally grown greens and vegetables. And, um, but it's also in such a wonderful natural setting and um, it's unique. It's a unique place. The the actual physical footprint of uh, the restaurant is very unique as is actually the entirety of Hidden Pond. How has that um, how has that been for both of you? It's such a special, such such a special setting. Uh, the setting at Earth was a hook for me the second that I walked into the space, and that was in the summer of 2011. So walking into that room, the cathedral ceiling, the apple tree that they had strung from the roof, all the lights, like every section of that room. And I'm biased, I do love it, and I work there. But there's always something interesting to look at. And you hear that from guests who have come back several times saying, I didn't notice this the last time I was here. So it's always evolving in the gardens outside, the bonfire that you can try or two after dinner, um, the farm bar outside, the cocktails, and the food. And that is what really drives the heartbeat of the restaurant is the ever-changing scape that just goes into every little movement that is there. So um, you definitely have those moments of pause when you're there in the middle of the summertime and look outside and things are blooming and growing. I mean, I, I, you know, I can't agree more. I also, you know, as a chef, to have a property that's rural um, you know, I've always, my former uh, jobs have always been, um, you know, lucky enough to have gardens and, and all these things that, you know, even going back to uh, 1991, 1990 to 1995, I worked in a restaurant in Saratoga, New York, and we used to, we used to help 
the farmers um, that would grow for us. And we were buying things like shisu and shinguku and, you know, all kinds of interesting herbs and basils and, and vegetables. And this is a long time ago. And the chef would bring us all out uh, for a week and we would we would help, you know, plant the seeds. And, and it just seemed normal, you know. And it's funny to me now that it's like, you know, it's so like, you know, it is important, but it's so like kind of a, a catchphrase now. Um, but, you know, with, with, with all of that, I think over the years of sort of learning how to use, you know, local people and, and, and things even out your back door, um, we do a ton of foraging and a ton of uh, learning, you know, um, you know, and Hidden Pond is so wonderful because you can walk all just just not even going into the kind of inter hinterlands, you can just walk around the property all the get that all the guests can see and there's a million things that are edible and not just things that are that are kitschy or whatever things that actually are good and um you know that's i love that that that's like super inspiring to me um and you know we can also go in in the uh, in the forest uh for walks sometimes we go every day every other day when it's good and we can do four or five hundred pounds of mushrooms a year um you know and um and other things so it's really you know that that to me is like what defines the place and and, and as and being a chef there it's like such a valuable resource um, and then of course all the the cultivated gardens that we have on the property which um you know we try to keep as interesting as possible um, and then you know the farmers and all the people that we've developed relationships over the years the local butters and um, and then you know of course danielle and i have a have a small uh, dairy goat herd and you know we do a lot with that and and um you know it's uh yeah i mean you have to be that kind of chef that's willing to like think outside the box and 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 use the things that that are available to you uh, that aren't symmetrical and that don't come in perfect little boxes and if you're willing to do that you could do some pretty neat things I think. Justin you spent 15 years at Arrows before it transformed itself to I believe it's called the Velveteen Habit mm -hmm. um, but the the chefs that you worked with Mark and Clark mm -hmm. they just were well known throughout the state of Maine and probably nationally. Mm -hmm. How did that impact your um, cooking? I mean that's what uh, brought me to Maine um, you know, I came for the job to work there. I just, you know, looking around, looking at restaurants in, in, in the Northeast, and, and really at that point it was wherever I wanted to go in the country, I could have gone wherever. I, you know, I was young and didn't really matter, but uh, Maine seemed uh, far enough away uh, from, uh, I lived in upstate New York, Lake Placid, New York, Vermont, um, and, uh, you know, it had that setting, right? So the ocean was different, which was cool, but the setting of, you know, the rural setting, you know, all the things that I kind of, you know, um, grew up with and, and, and whatnot. Um, and, you know, the restaurant was cutting edge. I mean, you know, way back when, you know, it was, you know, and it, and it was a successful restaurant for a really long time. But the fact that they were willing to take a chance and plant a garden, I think Melissa Kelly can attest to this. You know, she did it after they did it. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's hard for a restaurant. It's not cost effective. It's extremely, it's like another department to manage, you know, on the business end of things, it's, it's tough, you know, and you can spend lots of money to plant tomatoes, you know, several thousand dollars a year and get nothing. So it's, it's uh it's, it's a commitment on a lot of different, uh, you know, uh, for, for a lot of different reasons. And, um, you know, I, I feel fortunate to have, Worked with them. We did things cooked all over the country, and and uh, you know I took every minute of my time there and tried to learn and tried to help better myself and you know better the restaurant and you know it was a it was a great experience for sure. You know, any restaurant that can be open twenty five years is is pretty pretty neat place, especially in in a rural setting. 
It's interesting because in addition to Earth being one of my favorite restaurants, I really enjoyed Arrows while mm. it was around, but you've referred to Primo, which is up the coast, which yeah. is Melissa Kelly's yeah. place, also one of my favorite restaurants. And I, I think there is something that, although I know that it has become the thing that we're all trying to do local mm. foods and foraged is even becoming more popular. Um, as someone who is really orients herself towards vegetarian eating, to have that is really special. Mm-hmm. It's really important. So you're not mm-hmm. eating like the, the grainy trucked in from California um, beef steak tomatoes. Mm-hmm. You're, you're exactly. eating fresh off the vine, still maybe even a little warm. Um, and it makes a big difference. Yeah, I mean, I think if you looked at Earth's uh, spring menu last year, you know, it just sort of happened where it was like, you know, we could source, you know, broccoli, for instance. You know, of course, you know, we opened, we had to buy some, you know, we tried to buy organic, we bought organic, the best thing we could get. Um, and then, you know, once our uh, small, the smaller farms in New York started producing, then, you know, we kind of rolled into a more local product. But the base of the dish was broccoli instead of being, you know, whatever, uh, you know, beef or scallops or, you know, and, and I think at Earth a lot of times, you know, I mean, I think American diners are changing where you can, ba- you can base a dish off of a vegetable or, or, a, or a, you know, something other than a protein and, and uh, people are comfortable with the protein being the garnish, you know, and I think that's where everything's going now, um, you know, and we try to do that at Earth, like, you know, the eggplant are the, is the center of the, the dish and sort of the I mean, I'm making this up completely, but the halibut is the is the garnish, you know. So, um, you know, that's just kind of your upbringing. You know, if you're used to cutting, you know, pre-portioned proteins out of packages as a chef, then you think of the protein as the center of the plate. Where I don't, I don't think that way. You know, recently I was speaking to somebody about a sponsorship for a dinner, and they wanted to sponsor the center of the plate, and I was like, well, the center of the plate's going to be. You know what I mean? It was. I, I thought that was. An, I mean, I got. I know. I understand what she was saying. And then I asked for some kind of offcut, and it was like, oh, okay. You know, it was like they were expecting I wanted to have some kind of big primal cut of beef or something, and I actually chose something completely, uh, um, you know, not normal. I guess. So she was surprised, but you know, that's. I mean, that's how we think about it now. I think the first time I ever had shishito peppers mm. was actually at Earth. Mm-hmm. Just and it, they were so simple. They were just I yeah. think they're just roasted with a little bit of salt. Yeah, yeah. And the surprising thing about shishitos is you can have three of them in mm. a row that are <laughs> not hot, but you yeah. you get that fourth one and it's it's yeah. really hot. But it it's um, and since then of course I think more and more people are doing this. But when I first had them, I was like, wow, what are these things yeah. and why are they in Maine? And yeah. it I think it makes perfect sense. Um, and that's a particular ingredient that we um, we buy. Um, we do buy some from from California. You know, we go through. I mean, it's astronomical the amount that we use. Um, but then once the the East Coast catches up, you know, you start. See, you know, we can get things a lot closer. And then even like we grow some at our house. We had uh, um, our our farrier who's shoes our horses uh, grow some for us. And it's those those are like the gold. Those are like gold. They're like completely a million times better than anything you, that gets trucked in and moved around and so we're always trying really hard to like satisfy our demand um, you know as far as the amount of people that we do and, and and try to get the products as close as we can the best we can you know so it's it's a it's a, almost a full-time job I'm almost thinking about adding somebody to the staff that that's literally all they do is make sure we know where every little thing comes from and how we get it and how we how we can communicate to get it more consistently in the future you know it's really important it's super important you know the GMO thing is very important to us the organic thing is very important to us really understanding our and, and I think 
we start with our basic products, really trying to make sure just sugar is the right sugar, and, and the flowers we're using, you know, are are you know the best we can use, uh, you know. So we're offering a product that's more wholesome. I mean, we just we try like constantly, you know, using local butters, which are three times the price of commodity butter for certain things, you know, not just for flavor, but because I want we want to support a local business. And we want to, you know, and sometimes, sometimes in, in the butter's case, the product's amazing. So it's, it's, it's sometimes it's not hard to uh, to make those decisions, and, and um, you know, it's just a matter of communicating and and uh, to the purveyors and to the small the small producers and 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 you know, developing a relationship. Danielle, your family actually <clears throat> has a farm, and you grew up in Southern Maine. You actually went to school with our audio producer Spencer. You went mm-hmm. to kindergarten, in fact, from what I understand. So you have never gone, I mean, you left to go to college, came back to Maine, but you've never gone that far away from sort of the soil of Maine. Right. I went to college at University of Rochester in upstate New York. So I did go, again, far enough away to try my own wings. (laughs) And I enjoyed it there. It's actually where I started in the restaurant business because I was working my way through college um, in the restaurant business. But I came home for one last summer. I was going to come back to Maine. Of course, you want to be in Maine in the summertime. Who doesn't? And uh, I met this guy. (laughs) He was the first person I shook hands with when I went to Arrows as well, which is where we met. And uh, I never left again. Great plans of going to work, you know, with I in Boston, somewhere else, doing a different profession, which I went to school for. But hard left turn into the restaurant business. Um, started really enjoying the wine list so I had a genetics and ecology background so I kind of fell in love with the wine and the innuendos of it so I started working with Clark Fraser on the wine list at Arrows and it just kind of went from there but the farm you know I think Danielle grew up you know um, in a family that you know her dad used to raise beef cattle and you know they're little girls and he would the, suddenly moo would disappear and 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 the girls were wondering what was going on and he would tell them they were in this other field somewhere but they weren't they were eating moo and uh you know i think um you know i think that's a really important way to to grow up you know i think you know understanding you know what it takes to have a farm you know i mean we you know we have horses we have goats and chickens and really Danielle was the driving force to turning it back into a farm. She really wanted to have horses there which is what it was back in the 1700s, a draft horse barn and um, breathe you know breathe some life back into it and and it sort of snowballed from there and we realized you know there's nettles and there's you know frogs bellies and there's cranberries and there's you know black birch and there's all different kinds of things that grow on the property that you can use and and now it's like now this is the life we want to live you know we realize you know it's it's a financial commitment for us it's just it's instead of having that fancy car payment that we've chosen to have a farm and and you know and we've committed to it i mean you know this morning after our son gets on the bus we have to feed all the animals before we can do anything you know it's it's constant you know if it's a bad snowstorm the last thing you're thinking about is putting the windshield wipers up on your on your windshield of your car you're thinking oh my god you know do we have enough water what if the power goes out you know the horses have enough hay tonight and you know and and, and the goats going to be you know the goats hate wind so we need to make sure they're going to be out of the wind and and um you know it's a labor of love though it's yeah it's it's and as a chef 
you start realizing that it doesn't start with the phone call to the purveyor sometimes. You know, for me, it starts with a phone call to my hay supplier. And, and this year in particular was a terrible year. And we, you know, our goat's milk is better if the hay's better. And, and you know, we're driving three hours north to find good hay now. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you realize, you know, when you actually do it, I mean, we're not doing it on a big scale by any stretch, but you realize, you know, how much goes into it. And it's generations, you know, her father is the man that can fix everything. He knows a little bit about everything known to man. And it's, it's neat to see that and to try not to let it die with him. You know what I mean? To, to keep passing it on, like passing it on to our son and, and passing it on to us. And, and I think, uh, you know, I think that's the kind of key to the future, you know, our son sure. is the sixth generation to live on the farm. So to have his grandfather there and then also have him listen to stories about him being a kid in that same farm, he, you know, our running across the bedroom. Oh, my mom used to hate that. I used to bounce off the bed before I made that corner yeah, too. That pretty... It's just one of those things that you kind of understand how many generations have been in that farm. My grandfather was a kid in that farm. So when you go out the door and you are in the field and you do have to feed the animals, there's a sense of place that gets passed on that I don't think you can get anywhere else. And because we are making a commitment to doing this, it is a labor of love, but it's something that's going to get passed down. So things that are important to us, we try and show our son, but we also try and show the people who are coming to eat our food, that this is important, that you are making a good choice to eat well and eat vegetables, and but we've taken that next step and thought through, we're not going to give you a GMO beet sugar. We've already done that step for you, so you can just come and eat and enjoy what we're doing. Mm. It does take some extra effort, but it's so rewarding to know that you're doing that. I know that you have some events that are coming up in support of uh, Share Our Strength and Cooking Matters. Um, how can people find out about these events and also about the work that you do at, at Earth and actually about Earth itself? Uh, we have our website, uh, earthathiddenpond.com. Uh, we also have a fairly active Facebook page. So that is always pulling links from Share Our Strength, from No Kid Hungry. Uh, we'll keep you up to date on Justin's Chef Cycle Ride, which is a partnership through Share Our Strength to feed kids uh, year-round and especially through the summer um, when they don't have their backpack where people can, you know. Yeah, that's a really important thing, um, you know, a really important uh, cause for us. And, you know, uh, Share Our Strength started with sharing Chef's strengths, and, and, and now this is kind of an offshoot. You know, chefs, I think, are no longer the, uh, you know, rock star, well, maybe maybe they still are, but rock star, they you are. know, going out late at night and barely making it through the next day. And, you know, now it's, you know, I have lots of friends all over the country that are chefs and, and some pretty well-known chefs that start their day by, you know, putting their kid on the bus and then jumping on their bike for two or three hours. And you can realize that once you start to, uh, as a chef especially, when you start to exercise and get healthy, you can do your job a lot better. I mean, a lot better. And it, and it just passes on to your staff and the staff, they can't complain. You know, they can't say, oh, I'm tired. If I just got off, you know, I can ride to work and put 60, 50, 60 miles in before I get to work on my way in. And then I work all day long and all night long. That was share our strength. That was a catalyst. Yeah. yeah. Share our strength 
he's really committed to the cause. We both believe in it very strongly. And he committed to doing 300 miles from Santa Barbara to San Diego last June. And so to do 300 miles in three days, you need to do some work ahead of time. So he started in February for the June ride. And because you had that goal, uh, you really did some amazing yeah, I mean, you know, thousands and thousands of miles on the bike, you know, just to get the fitness to like, to, to push it and to, you know, and to, you know, to be, you know, the group was very diverse. We have some, some, some chefs that wrote a lot. Everybody was like super into the cause, obviously, and some chef and everybody prepared very, very well. And it was fun to see, you know, I've been riding for years and I never made it a super big commitment. You know, it was always like my work's my commitment, but I realized after the last few years that I needed to go back to that, you know, I needed, I needed that in my life. And, and Danielle supported me, you know, a thousand percent, but, um, you know, to see some of the chefs that were like excited about like next year, next year, I'm going to get in shape and how can you ride, you know, so much faster. And, you know, there's always somebody faster, right. You know, so it's, it's, uh, it's fun. It was fun to see that. And it's like, it, it, it levels the playing field. You know, it's not about the chefs, you know, uh, accolades or you know the growth of the restaurant or whatever you know it's about like this cause how it brought everybody together it shared a different strength and it also is creating um you know it's creating a new lifestyle for a lot of people and most everybody that i think almost everybody that did the ride last year is is still riding and going to do it again this year and, and they, they know what to expect now so they know how to prepare but um you know it's uh yeah it's a it's a wonderful thing it's very very important to us for sure well, I give you a lot of credit for having um, supported Share Our Strength and making sure that there is no kid hungry, as mm. they say, and also for getting yourself healthy and mm. also for, I, I guess, um, continuing this generational farm, that multi-generational farm that you are engaged in, Danielle. Um, I feel like we could just keep talking forever because there's so many interesting things that you're engaged in. I encourage people to go to the website or go to the Facebook page and learn more about the work that you're doing and your passions. Um, I myself will be at Earth as soon as it opens, hopefully. I'll definitely be there during the Kenny Bunkport Festival <laughs> in June. Uh, we've been speaking with Justin and Danielle Walker, who are the husband and wife team who run Earth at Hidden Pond in Kenny Bunkport. Thanks so much for coming in and talking with us today. Thank you. Thank you for yeah. having us. Love, Maine Radio is brought to you by Berlin City Honda, where the car buying experience is all about easy. After all, life is complicated enough, and buying a car shouldn't be. That's why the Berlin City Honda team goes the extra mile by pre-discounting all their vehicles and focus their efforts on being open, honest, and all about getting you on the road. In fact, Berlin City recently won the 2015 Women's Choice Award, a strong testimony to their ability to deliver a different kind of car buying experience. Berlin City Honda of Portland. Easy. It's how buying a car should be. Go to BerlinCityHondaME.com for more information. Love Maine Radio is brought to you by MacPage, an accounting and management consulting firm that believes the path to success is paved by their ability to build lasting, meaningful relationships with their clients. MacPage. Accessible approachable, and accountable. For more information, go to macpage.com.
Today it is my great pleasure to have the time to speak with Karen Watterson, who not only is um, the new food editor for Maine and Oldport magazines, but also a longtime friend of mine from Yarmouth. Karen Watterson is a former copywriter, food blogger, and bookseller. She may have started out life as a picky eater, but she's making up for lost time as she explores all the deliciousness that Maine has to offer. The only thing that equals Karen's love of good food is talking and writing about it. She is the food editor of Maine and Oldport magazines. Thanks for coming in. Happy to be here, Lisa. So you are doing a great job, I must say. We've um, been so impressed with your energy and your weekly blogs and all the stuff that you've done for Oldport and Maine magazine. And, and you're kind of... Um, you're equaling the energy of the food scene in Maine. You're like, you're just as excited and energetic about all of this as all the people who are coming here to eat. I try to be. Um, There's a lot going on that's really exciting. And I love to look at it as brand new and not as cynical or um, jaded. It's, It's exciting. And sometimes people get, you know, oh, it's this, it's that. Um, But I, Every day I get excited about uh, the new openings, the new dishes, talking with the chefs. Uh, It's great energy here in Portland. We're really lucky to be here. You're not originally from Maine. I'm not. I'm from Massachusetts. I've been in Maine almost 14 years and spent all my summers here as a child. And of course, I've known you because our sons played baseball together. That's right. And they're, they're now young men and out in the world but um now our daughters play basketball together what goes around comes around that's, that's true right. we that's just were back in the stands together exactly we can't get away from kids sports and go clippers exactly <laughs> um the nice thing about the writing that you do and i think you just alluded to it is that it's um even though you're looking at food with sort of a curatorial eye you're not critical you're not you're not out there to make people um feel bad about the great work that they're doing in their restaurants. No, not at all. Um, I I don't think that serves us well, frankly. Um, I like to talk about the experience of eating someplace. I also really love getting the chef's stories, the background, how they got to where they are. To me, that's a huge part of what makes a restaurant. Uh, they're so interesting, and every day that I interview a chef or an owner, I'm surprised by their story. And there, there's really no reason to be critical at this point. We just want to tell people what something's like. Well, tell me about that. Um, what are some of your favorite chef stories? Oh, gosh. Um, I was really surprised to find how many husband and wife couples there are that work together really well. Um, there's Brianna and Andrew Volk at Portland Hunt and Alpine Club. There's uh, Damien and Ilma at Piccolo. Uh, at Pacharino, there, there are a couple who have moved here from Milan. And they, they, everybody really works well together. Oh, and at Earth, of course, Danielle and Justin uh, Walker. So I think that's a really hard thing to do, to work next to your spouse in a high-pressure environment like a restaurant. But these couples have really made it work, and that's exciting. Yeah, even as you're talking, I'm thinking about Guy and Stella Hernandez. Exactly. Up at Lolita. And also Issa, um, Susie and Isaul, and at uh, Sir Lee. So you could just keep going. There's there's some... Uh, 555, <laughs> Petite Jacqueline... Um, there's just many of them, and, and I think that 
that talks about how family is important to us also in this area. People move to this area because it's family friendly and they can have a business and still have a family without the high pressure stakes as if they were in a bigger city. When I've been to some of the restaurants um, that are created by couples, including Terlingua up on Manjoy Hill, I often notice that the children are invited to come in and be part of the restaurant scene itself in a very safe way. Mm -hmm. I think when I was up at Terlingua, um, the grandmother was there with the child. And I know that Guy and Stella Hernandez at Lolita, their son will often come in. And and this actually kind of, for me, harkens back to the type of uh, farming, fishing um, communities that Maine has always had, where things really are a family affair. And everybody kind of understands what needs to get done in order to make the money to pay the mortgage and live a daily life. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, people make it work however they can. Like you said, extended families are helpful. Um, I've seen kids doing homework at the bar, and I don't mean, you know, while people are drinking at the bar, but, <laughs> but you know, in the afternoons, their kids are sitting up there working on, on homework or um, getting help from their parents while their parents are, are working on setup. I think as with young families, you just have to make it work the best you can and do what you love doing, run a, run a restaurant, and take care of your kids at the same time. If the kids are, are fine with it, then there's nothing wrong with it. And it's interesting that our conversation has taken a turn into the family realm because I think that food recently seems like it's become this very precious thing. It's become this very... Um, special occasion, um, work of art type thing. And what I really enjoy about food is sharing it with the people that I love. And whether it's, you know, just going and having pub food somewhere while the football game is on, or whether it's going for a a birthday meal to 4th Street with my 15-year-old daughter, I mean, it's you can enjoy different levels of food and cuisine and you can begin enjoying it with your children you know at appropriate ages but from a pretty young age absolutely lisa i think um i think it's important to take young children who are well behaved to to restaurants and teach them how to eat out how to be considerate of other guests how to occupy themselves hopefully without looking at it at an iphone or or an ipad um but crayons of course are fine and show them some, teach them manners, um, and teach them to try different foods. Expose them to sushi or, uh, you know, various ethnic foods. And then you can reinforce that at home by trying to cook similar things, letting them help you. Kids love to be in the kitchen. I know my kids always have. And uh, that just reinforces how food is a family thing that everybody can do together. I know one of the ways that we um, have enjoyed the local restaurants is by making them part of our quality time. So we we love to cook at home. I like to cook at home. Um, But sometimes being able to sit, everybody sits together and nobody is preparing the food, nobody's washing the dishes. You're all just sitting and being present with each other and having a really good conversation. And that um, can be as important as the meal itself. Absolutely. Um, Right, when there are no... uh, things that the that the mom or dad have to be standing at this kitchen sink or at the stove or whatever it can be a more relaxed 
atmosphere. And like you said, it doesn't have to be a fancy experience. It doesn't have to be sophisticated or precious. It can be anywhere that you're comfortable. And I found that that restaurants enjoy having families. Um, they're accommodating to children. I find that kids' menus have taken off from the old chicken fingers and macaroni and cheese and offer much more sophisticated tastes of things or will just offer smaller dishes off the regular menu, which I think is a huge step forward and will help bring in new customers as well. Well, now that we've talked about the ways that we can enjoy food as families, Tell me what restaurants you have particularly enjoyed. And I know this is a really hard question because mm-hmm. there's so many different restaurants, not just in Portland, but really all over the state of Maine. Yes. Tell me some of your favorites and why. Well, people ask me this question all the time. And I always like to say my favorite restaurant is the one I was last at. So, because it's always fresh in my mind. So, for instance, last week I was at uh, Congress Squared at the Westin Hotel. And so that's really fresh in my mind, the the chef was wonderful. The The manager was lovely and very accommodating. Um, before that, I was at a, a family-run Italian restaurant called Bruno's, which has been around forever. And it was so great to sit with the whole family, uh, the dad, the the wife who runs the dining room, the son, the cousins, uh, eating pasta. I felt like part of the family. Um, but as far as my personal preference for food. I have to say I'm a big fan of Evo um, at the at the Hyatt Hotel, although they're not really attached to the hotel. Um, I love Boda and Green Elephant because I really love spicy Asian food. Paimen Miyaki is a favorite. Um, we, let's see, any place I can get good seafood, that's my favorite thing. Uh, Street and Company, it's great. You can't beat their clams and linguine. Um, love the pizza at uh, Tuscan Bistro in Freeport. In Bar Harbor, I've had fabulous meals at Red Sky and Havana. Um, Camden is wonderful, of course. Natalie's and um, Long Grain, again, because I love Asian food. And I'm really open to any kind of new experience. There's so many places in Maine that I even haven't even had a chance to eat yet that are on my list. I keep saying, I've got to get there. I've got to get there. There's only so many days in a week. Well, and somehow you've already managed to squeeze in a lot of restaurant visits in a relatively short period of time. You've How long have you been doing this job? Uh, seven months. I started actually on my birthday last July. So um, yeah, I've tried, I've squeezed in a lot, but boy, that list keeps growing every time something new opens. Add it to the list. But that's exciting, and that's what I love about the job, too. One of the things that interests me about you, Karen, is that you have been um, a food blogger. You had a beautiful food blog that I enjoyed reading, especially the cookies for some reason. Cookies <laughs> and, the, and the pastries. And My the, specialty. Yes, those were always very delicious looking. Um, but you were a political science major at the University of Vermont. You've also been a copy editor. You've always had your hands in sort of the the world of words you've also always enjoyed food but you've had this kind of broader view of life how do you how do you get from being a a poli-sci major at university of vermont to the main magazine oldport magazine food editor that's a good question too um it i was poli-sci major because i am sort of a political junkie 
I, I pay attention to politics and international relations. I really enjoy that kind of thing, and I, I still do. I thought at one point um, that I wanted to work in foreign service when I was in college. But then I overslept when the Foreign Service exam was being given. So that was the end of that career. Um, so I went into advertising right out of college in the Boston area, worked for some of the big ad agencies there um, as a copywriter. And like you said, I love words. Playing Scrabble is like my favorite pastime. Um, I think I grew up in a family where words were valued like that and reading was really important. I'm a big reader. So I just kept doing the things that I really enjoyed doing. I did the copywriting. Um, after I had children, though, I was a stay-at-home mom for quite a long time, although I was doing some freelance writing. Um, if opportunities came up, I was always happy to do that, including pro bono work for, for different charitable organizations, just sort of to keep my hand in it. Um, when we moved to Maine, I, again, stay-at-home mom for quite some time, including, but did some volunteer work. And then the opportunity came up to work at a little independent bookstore in Yarmouth called Royal River Books. And bookstores are my happy place. And to have the opportunity to work there was fantastic. I was there for over five years. And the woman who owns it gave us the opportunity to run it as our own. I could order whatever books I thought were necessary for the store, whatever I liked, to have neighbors stop in and chat with everybody in town. I had an open door policy, literally. I would keep the door open every time the weather was good enough so that people felt welcome and people would just stop in to talk with me. And I love recommending books to my friends, to strangers, and it's a little, I've discovered, like a sommelier would recommend wine. You ask questions, you say, what have you liked in the past? What kind of things do you like? Do you like a dry red or do you like a good mystery? They're all, it's all kind of the same questions leading up to finding the right choice for somebody. So I loved that and I'd probably still be there if it wasn't for a project I did for Maine Magazine several years ago. I had the opportunity to do a 48 hours piece and it was probably the most fun I ever had and handed it in and I said to Kevin and Susan, please keep me in mind if anything else ever comes up. And they said, okay, not thinking that maybe it would, but every time I saw them I would say, hi, remember me? Please keep me in mind if anything else ever comes up. And last, I think it was May, I got a phone call from Kevin and said, we're looking to add another food writer. Would you be interested? And I said, um, yes, I would certainly be interested in that. And started doing the blog, the Eat Main blog, for, for a month or so. And one thing led to another, and here I am as the food editor, which, to be honest, is a dream come true. If I could have chosen any job for myself, it would certainly be this, especially in Portland, well, especially in, in Maine. So it combines everything I love, the writing, the meeting new people, the talking about food, the tasting of food, um, taking pictures, just learning new things every day. It's, I'm so lucky to have this job. You just finished with the March issue, which yes. is the food issue. 
How do you feel about that? I think it looks fantastic. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about that. So I wrote about the Velveteen Habit, which is a terrific place in Cape Netic. It's on the old Arrows property, and Ben Goldman and his team have really turned it into something completely different, a, a very casual farmhouse kind of restaurant. They're taking full advantage of the garden that was started there, discovering new things that they can grow, fermenting, distilling, um, preserving all kinds of vegetables. It's a very casual atmosphere, come as you are kind of place. And Ben is happy to talk to you about wines. That's his his real love. And he he's practically like jumping up and down when people ask him questions about wine. So he's very enthusiastic, and I think that enthusiasm rubs off in the restaurant. You you get that impression when you're there. It's a lot of fun. I can't wait to go back next summer. And there will also be the eat guide that is coming up soon. That's right. That's right. So. Um, that talks about all the restaurants we've covered in Maine for the over the past year. Some we haven't quite gotten to, but but checking in on, and it's a it's a very comprehensive guide for people who are looking for a place to eat. It's wonderful for people coming from out of town, um, especially in the summer. Tourists, I hope to see that Eat Maine guide in every hotel room, and it's also great for locals who are wondering mm, where should I eat tonight? I want to try something different. And especially the photography in it is going to be amazing. Um, so people can really almost taste the descriptions. So we started this conversation with this, with the idea that there really isn't one great restaurant that is the best restaurant that all of us should go to. There really is just the best restaurant for whomever it is that you're talking to. So kind yeah. of like being a bookseller or a sommelier. It's you are trying to fit the right restaurant for the right person, the right family, the right group of people. And really, that's what Maine Magazine, Old Port, that's what we're trying to do is offer a broad array of possibilities so that people can be inspired to um, figure out what works best for them. Exactly. There, there is literally something for everyone here. You know, there's Otto's Pizza, if you want a slice of pizza, all the way up to white tablecloth dining at Tempo Dulu and everything in between. Um, there are very few formal restaurants in, in Maine anymore. But if that's what you want, you can easily find that. But if you want a lobster roll and, and fries, you can find that too. You don't have to spend a fortune. There's a broad range of price points. So you don't have to feel like you breaking the budget to eat out in Maine, and you can get a great experience at any price point. I find that uh, Maine restaurants are very hospitality-oriented. They're friendly. They, they enjoy locals, and they enjoy tourists, and they keep an open mind about both of them. The locals keep them going in the off-season, and the tourists are, are always welcome, and Sometimes they'll see the same tourists who come back every year, and they welcome back welcome them back just like locals. Well, Karen, it has truly been a pleasure to talk with you today, and you are doing a really phenomenal job. I mean, I can't, for people who 
um, if you're out there, if you're listening, if you've seen the food coverage that has been in the magazines over the past seven months, I mean, this woman is a part, she just, she just works and works and works and she loves it. She's so joyful. When you come to our editorial meetings, I mean, you're just, you're just like brimming over with the happiness of your job. And I think that shows in your writing. And I think that shows in the March issue of Maine Magazine, which is our food issue. And it's going to show in the upcoming food, the upcoming eat guide. So I really appreciate the work that you do with Maine Magazine and Old Port Magazine as our food editor, and I appreciate um, the time we spend together in Yarmouth. Well, thank you, Lisa. I, I love the time we spend together in and out of the office, too, and I appreciate this opportunity to talk about it. You know I'm happy to talk about food anytime. <laughs> You've been listening to Love, Maine Radio, show number 233, Food and Family. For more information on our guests and extended interviews, visit lovemainradio.com. Love Main Radio is downloadable for free on iTunes. For a preview of each week's show, sign up for our e-newsletter and like our Love Main Radio Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter as Dr. Lisa and see my running travel food and wellness photos as Bountiful One on Instagram. We love to hear from you, so please let us know what you think of Love Main Radio. We welcome your suggestions for future shows. Also, let our sponsors know that you have heard about them here. We are privileged that they enable us to bring Love Maine Radio to you each week. This is Dr. Lisa Belial. I hope that you have enjoyed our food and family show. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day. May you have a bountiful life. Love Maine Radio is made possible with the support of Maine Magazine, Berlin City Honda, Boone's Fish House and Oyster Room, Mac Page, and Apothecary by Design. Audio production and original music have been provided by Spencer Albee. Our editorial producer is Kelly Chase. Our assistant producer is Emily Davis. Our community development manager is Casey Lovejoy. And our executive producers are Kevin Thomas, Susan Grisanti, and Dr. Lisa Bella. For more information on our host's production team, Maine Magazine, or any of the guests featured here today, visit us at lovemainradio.com.